Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another Monday, Wednesday, Friday Let's Ride podcast. It's Friday, folks. I hope you're having a great day. I hope you've had a great week, and I hope you have a great weekend planned. We have a lot to discuss because it's hard to believe here we are on this Friday morning or Friday afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. We're less than a week away, folks. I listened to Dave Schofield's Stat Geek on Thursday morning, and he said, we're one week away. The next time I talk to you, I will be literally talking to you the day of the 2021 NFL Draft, the first round. In case you didn't know, the first round is Thursday, second and third are Friday, and then the rest is on Saturday. It's a three-day affair. Some people call it Christmas in the spring, because it's not always in April. It's This year it's April and May. It leaks over into May, but still, there's a lot to discuss here. We feel, I, I feel personally, that at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, which should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, we've done a tremendous job of giving you everything that someone could want in regards to getting you ready for the NFL draft. I mean, we have, like, give you some ideas of what we have going on in the site. I know that Kevin Smith, our Cliff Harris, is still a punk. He's our film breakdown guy. He is... He and Jeffrey Benedict, you know Jeffrey Benedict, hopefully from the Curtain Call podcast, which is live on YouTube every Wednesday. It goes on Thursday afternoon on our podcast side. They've been doing these draft fit articles where they pick a position and they go through and say which player at this position would be a good fit for the Steelers. And they just did the centers. It was a really good read. I definitely recommend it. Uh, I've been doing draft breakdowns on players. I've mentioned that before. We have the... uh, Steelers Vertex articles with Jeffrey and Dave where they break down a specific player or position. And it really is tremendous leading up to this draft. I feel like our coverage has been second to none. On the podcast side, I don't know what else you could ask for in regards to whether it's my Let's Ride podcast. I do the best that I can. I'm not perfect. I know there are some shows that are better than the others. But I try to keep the standard pretty high, as Mike Tom would say. The standard is a standard. Dave gives you the stats stuff. Uh, Michael Beck gives you his take and his commentary on the live mic every Tuesday. And our afternoon stuff has really shifted gears and kind of vibing with the times and, and getting you ready for the draft. So I feel like we've done a good job. I'm very proud of the product that as a co-editor on the editorial side for someone that has a large hand in the podcast side, um, I feel like we've done a good job. Everyone that's a part of this, if you're listening, should be commended. And if you've enjoyed the the work, I hope you have. Uh, make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, and subscribe, follow, do whatever you have to do so that you don't miss a thing. There's a part of Jeff Hartman. Everyone kind of, I feel like, when they think of uh, Jeff Hartman and you've listened to Let's Ride, you think I'm a real positive guy, and I am a positive guy. I definitely am a glasses-half-fool guy but uh, there's also a part of me that's very cynical uh that can be very um can be very i guess jaded is the good word to use and i i have uh, look i get an inside track on a lot of this stuff Uh, writing as many articles as i do doing the podcast that i do doing the live podcast which i do the steelers preview every thursday night with myself dave schofield and brian anthony davis our podcast producer when you're doing a show live on youtube and you have a couple hundred people there in the in the live chat that are watching you you see and you kind of get a feel for what people think about the team and there's a part of me 
uh, whether this this kind of stemmed from comments in the uh, comment section at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. There's a part of me that just really hopes, I mean really hopes, that this draft tears down some huge narratives amongst the fan base. It's it's completely ridiculous the way some people think. And I know that the history's there. I do know that most of these narratives that we're going to talk about in the first half of this podcast today are they're present for a reason, that they have some factual and statistical backing, and because of that, people stand by it. But my gosh, I get just so sick of hearing about these specific narratives, and it just drives me nuts. And so maybe they make a draft pick. I hope it's a player that's A, really, really good, a position of need, but I hope it breaks some of these uh, narratives. Okay, so this is what I want to talk about in the first half. So it's kind of me getting some stuff off my chest. I hope you don't mind. I'm going to start off with the one that gets me the most fired up. And that is, in the first round, people always say, well, let's g- I'll give you an example. <clears throat> uh, Zaven Collins, okay, Tulsa linebacker, very talented. He is considered to be a first-round talent. I don't think there's many people that are going to suggest that he's going to fall to the second round. But the Steelers at the Tulsa Pro Day, they did not have a lot of representation there. I think they had the assistant linebackers coach or some someone like that. That was it. And so immediately, when you bring up the possibility that Zaven Collins could be the Steelers' pick at twenty-four, what do the what do the the draft Knicks say? Uh, Tom and Colbert weren't at the pro day; they're not making that pick. Oh my gosh! Please pick Zaven Collins so I can go back and find every single one of these people and say, "Shut up! You're wrong." I understand that. You look back at the history of the Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert era. Yes, the vast majority of their first round picks, they've been there. But that does not mean that if there's a prospect who is on the board that they really like and they were not there in person at their pro day, that they're going to say, well, you know what? Um, Boy, this guy's a great talent. I think he could be really, really good. I think he could be a generational player, but... Yeah, we didn't make it to that pro day because there was another pro day that we went to. So, uh, all right, just pass on him. We're going to go to the next guy. Oh, is Artie Burns still available? Yeah, he is. Okay, let's get him on there. I mean, guys and gals, this is not what I'm talking I'm talking about the fact that if the Steelers see Zayvon Collins as the example I'm going to use a lot today. I wrote an article about him today. I'll get to that in a second. But Zayvon Collins, if he's the pick and they weren't at Tulsa, is anyone going to be upset? I don't think so. Like, I don't think so. This would be like going back to 2004. Ben Roethlisberger falls to 11. The Pittsburgh Steelers get a pick, and they say, hey, guys, uh, this Roethlisberger kid's pretty good. I think he'd be a really good quarterback for a really long time. Could possibly win us some Super Bowls. Well, yeah, coward. Say, well, that wasn't at his pro day. Uh, is J.P. Lossman available? He is, yes. Let's go with the Tulane guy. That, no, that doesn't happen. So for all the people that say, well, Tom and Colbert, they were at their pro day, give me a break, people. Come on. It's 2021. In this era of technology, whether it's the meetings with Zoom meetings, I mean, that's become a norm, whether it's a Google Meet or a Zoom call or whatever, Skype. I feel like being somewhere in person has less to do with anything now more than ever. And I think that also bleeds its way into this NFL draft time period, whatever you want to call it. And so let's say they weren't at the Tulsa Pro Day. 
That doesn't mean they haven't spoken with Zayvon Collins. That doesn't mean they haven't spoken with his coaches. That doesn't mean they haven't watched his pro day workout. I mean, let's be honest here. Okay, so that's the first narrative. I don't want to spend too much time on that because it gets me fired up. Tomlin and Colbert at the pro days in the first round pick. History says that it's true, but there's a part of me that's cynical deep inside that says, gosh, I hope they take someone where they weren't at their pro day just so I can tell everyone else to shove it. Let's continue. Next is, well, you know, the Steelers only take players from Power 5 schools. They have to be from the Power 5. Power 5. So the Power 5 schools, we're talking about the Pac-12, the Big 10, the Big 12, SEC, and the ACC. And Notre Dame would fall into the ACC, even though they're contextual and independent, whatever that is. So when you have the Power 5 school label, yes, the Steelers, but it's not the Steelers thing. I mean, my gosh, when we're talking about top picks, early round picks, the Power 5 schools get attention because they're a Power 5 school. The Steelers, I think the last time they had a first-round pick that was not from a Power 5 school was Ben Roethlisberger, who came from the MAC in Miami of Ohio. So I'm not suggesting here that I hope that the Steelers go out and get some unknown player from the MAC or somewhere like that and say, ha-ha, that was not a Power 5 school. But again, if Trey Lance, not a Power 5 school, if this quarterback somehow falls and the Steelers are sitting there like, oh, wow, this Trey Lance kid's there. He's a pretty good quarterback. Hey, where did he go to school, guys? Uh, North Dakota State, coach. North Dakota State. Oh, that's that's too bad. That's too bad. Why, why coach? Why well, This is a great prospect. Let's take it. Nope, it's not a Power 5 school. I can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, is Trell Edmonds available? Yeah, Virginia Tech. All right, let's take him. Look, this is what I'm saying. If, if a player is good, they're not going to pass on him just based on where he went to school. Does where he went to school help? Yes. Just like if they were at the pro day, does that help? Yes. But is that going to mean that they don't take take a pick because of it? No. No, 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 no. That does not mean that at all. So the Power 5 school narrative is another one that if it got busted open, I'd be okay with that as well. Let's go to the next one. The people that suggest that the Steelers are going to draft by position instead of best player available. And there's even some people that are trusted members of the Steelers media that have gone onto Twitter and say, well, you know, the the second best running back is better than whatever. That's drafting by position. And I'm not saying that the Steelers have not done that before. Because they have, i.e. Terrell Edmonds, i.e. Artie Burns are perfect examples of drafts where the Steelers clearly went into that draft with the mindset of we need a cornerback or we need a safety. And they are going to take the best player at that position when they are up to pick. This hasn't worked out. Terrell Edmonds isn't bad. I don't want to get that, that message mixed up. I think he's a very quality player. He's not a I don't think he's a first-round talent. We'll put it that way. But he's been a good player for the Steelers. Not complaining about that at all. Complaining about the pick, but I'm not complaining about him. So on Thursday, I wrote an article, and I typically do these. I sometimes I've done upwards of eight leading up into the NFL draft, and I do this about the same time that I feel NFL teams are really focusing on it as well. And that is draft scenarios. I basically go to any one any number of these draft mock draft simulators. And I go in and I 
plug in some standard stuff, him and I'm picked for the Steelers, and then I see how it unfolds, I see who's available, and then I say, okay, if I'm Kevin Colbert, if I'm Mike Tomlin, who do I pick? What's my pick here? So I did one of these on Thursday. It's already ran. You can check it out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. It was my Pittsburgh Steelers NFL Draft Scenarios 1.0. I'll probably do another one on Friday, maybe do one on the weekend, and do a couple more next week. I am hoping to at least have five of these done before the selection process starts on Thursday. So here's the situation. To kind of lay it out for you in case you didn't read the article. The situation is that most of the high-profile players are long gone. You know the players that aren't going to be available. But there was a run on tackles in this simulation. Tevin Jenkins is gone. Derrissaw is gone. We know that Slater and Sewell are gone. They've been gone for a while. And I don't really see another, like, I'm not sure that Cosme is a tackle that should be a first-round talent. And so I'm like, I'm not going tackle. Now, the New York Jets, who picked a 23rd, they took Najee Harris right before the Steelers picked, which I was okay with because that meant that I didn't have to worry about dealing with the backlash from the Najee Harris train uh, fan club that would rip me to shreds if he was available and they didn't take him. So he was gone at 23. Um, Also, a lot of cornerbacks were off the board. Uh, Cornerbacks, uh, Fraley was gone. We know that Sertain was gone. J.C. Horn was gone. Um, even, uh, Newsom, I think the second from Northwestern, I might've gotten his name wrong. Uh, let me check. No, I was right. Greg Newsom was already picked from Northwestern. He was off the board. So I'm, I'm looking at who's available. So Etienne, the running back from Clemson is there. Zaven Collins is there. And after that, you just kind of get into some, all right, these guys are kind of, I don't know, like not really first round guys. They're more like second round guys. And so I went with what I felt was best player available. And that's something I said in the in the scenario. I said, I want to go with the best player available. I'm Kevin Colbert. I'm also Mike Tomlin. We're sitting in the room, and they're saying, who's the best player available? And in my opinion, it's Zayvon Collins because I want a player that can step in on day one and put his hand in the pile, and he can say, let's do this. And I do think Collins is that type of player, whether it's inside, whether it's sub packages, whether it's on the outside. I feel like Zayvon Collins could come in and make a really good defense even better. I might, dare I say, could make it great. Because if you imagine Collins and his speed and athleticism alongside Bush would be a really good duo on the inside. And if he's not ready for that full time, you still have Vince Williams, you still have Robert Spillane, and Collins can rush the passer. So it's kind of like killing two birds with one stone. That's a, my opinion, that makes him a very good player, best player available. The more you can do, the better chance we can get you on the football field if I'm staying in that Tomlin and Colbert role. And so I published the article. I'm very happy with the way things turned out. I'm feeling like the vast majority of readers are going to agree with me. I list the picks 1 to 23 so they could see who was off the board. And oh my gosh, if Etienne's there, he's going to be their pick. You just picked who you wanted. That's not the best player available. I got to be honest with you. When it comes to best player available, if I was going by just position and I thought that running back, then I would have said Etienne was the pick. But I'm not trying to pick the second best running back. I'm trying to pick the best player available at that time. And for me, it was Zaven Collins. It was Zaven Collins, and that's why I made the pick. And you know what? People are like, you just picked who you wanted to pick. If I'm pretending like I'm taking the best player available, then yes, that's exactly what I did. I'm the one writing the articles. Come on, people, wake up. Geez, like I don't understand what people expect just because I didn't pick who you wanted or you thought they would pick. I'm sorry. 
I'm sorry. I know that, that, hey, again, let's go back to the first narrative. But Tomlin and Colbert were at the pro day at Clemson. I, I know. I know they were. They weren't at Tulsa. I know. I know they weren't at Tulsa, okay? All right. Not drafting by position. Last narrative. The last narrative is the bad pro day workout narrative. And that's you've seen this with uh, the one name that comes that sticks out to me is at Michigan. And I'm not a fan of this prospect. If you listen to me, I've said this all along, ever since I did the breakdown of him on the website for BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And that's Jalen Mayfield, the tackle from Michigan. He had a horrible workout. I mean a horrible workout. But here's the thing. I'm not going to let one bad workout dictate whether I make a pick. And think about what you're saying when you say, well, they're, they had a bad pro day. You have no clue what might have happened leading up to that pro day. Maybe they strained something. Maybe they're not feeling well. I don't know. Maybe they had diarrhea the day before. Like, I hate to say that, but maybe they did. And they're just like, not, they're just not right. I don't think anyone, coaches, general managers, scouts, doesn't matter, should put much credence into one flipping workout. Now, if you also had the combine, which they didn't this year, if you also had the combine available to you and they had two bad workouts that were like, you know, weeks to months apart, that's a different story. But when you're going off of one workout, come on now. It's just one day. That's just one day. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, I don't care. I've I've had several people reach out and say that there's some younger, there's a younger generation of Steeler fan that enjoys listening to my show. I don't care if you're a middle school student. Ever had a day where you wake up and you just don't feel like yourself? You just kind of feel tired and lethargic. It doesn't mean you're sick. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It just means that sometimes the body is just a little bit down. Maybe you didn't sleep well the night before. Maybe the foods you ate the night before weren't that conducive to health. I don't know what that is. Anyone that's an adult knows what this feels like. There's been moments at your job where you're sitting there at your computer or you're up and walking around and you feel like you're just going to fall over and go to sleep. Maybe, just maybe, these college kids, and I know it's important. I'm not saying they're not taking it seriously, but maybe just maybe they had a bad day. Not days, plural, not season, not games, a day. So I think they if you rely on game film, and that's what coaches and scouts are going to do, you rely on game film, you speak to that specific player, you interview that coach, you get to know them, that'll give you a better indicator of, but I can't stand that narrative of, oh my gosh, they took this guy, he had such a bad pro day workout. We're talking one day. Ultimately, to wrap this up before we take a break, and I've gone a little bit longer, I apologize, I'm ready for the know-it-all draft Knicks to just go back to their caves. I really am. I love talking about the draft with people that are willing to talk about the draft. And when I say willing to talk about the draft, it's that they listen and will say, oh, you know what? I think that Quinn Miners would be a great addition in the in the second round. And I might say, well, I could see him being a third-round pick, not really in the second. I'd rather them go for Javante Williams, and we can have a healthy discussion about it. But no, these draft Knicks are know-it-alls, and I can't stand it. They're like, no, that's wrong. That's not the right pick. That's not what they would do. Go back to your caves. Seriously, I can't wait. Just because of this fraction of people, I can't wait till the draft is over. They go back to their caves, start mocking up the 2022 NFL draft, stay out of my hair. I don't have much, by the way. But stay out of my hair for the next year and then I'll deal with you again before the next draft. But that's it. That's it. I'm kind of done ranting. 
After this break, when we come back, I'm going to do our prospect breakdown, and it's a position that I was shocked at how good it is. I was stunned at how deep this class is at this position, and the Steelers need this position really big. We'll get into that in a second, as well as my heart-to-heart. Stay tuned. Be right back. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to the second part of Let's Ride. I'm Jeff Hartman, your host, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you. And we had just talked about narratives and the things that drive me crazy about the upcoming NFL draft. It's hard to believe, but in a week from now, I'm going to be delivering a Let's Ride podcast that will be running at noon on Friday about the first round pick. It'll be me talking about the player, my thoughts, my reaction, who's still available, who could be the second uh, second and third round picks on day two. That's what'll be happening next Friday, so that's why I wanted to get the narratives out of the way. But on Fridays, we've been doing prospect breakdowns, and this year, this show, I should say, I want to talk about a position that, honestly, I didn't know much about going into these breakdowns that I started doing. And I had breaking down quarterbacks and running backs. We already talked about running backs. We talked about tackles. And I had looked at the tight end class. That's a crap class, by the way. Just horrible. Horrible. Tight ends are trash. But anyways, not maybe that's a little harsh. Maybe it's a little harsh. I'm, I'm in a mood. I apologize. So the second part of this, though, I was like, man, I should talk about the cornerbacks. So I started breaking down the cornerbacks. Because when Steven Nelson left, all of a sudden, you lost, you lost Hilton and you lost Nelson, and I'm thinking now cornerback is on the Steelers' radar. They're going to have to get a cornerback. I don't think that anyone should be comfortable going into this 2021 season. If you think Justin Lane is ready, I don't think so. If you think that Pierre is ready, what indicates that? Two games? A game and a half? There was no preseason, so it's not like he showed out in the preseason. I just would like to see them draft a player that I think is going to be a legit candidate to take over for at least Joe Hayden when he's done playing football, which is not too far away. So let's look at this. This is a deep class. I love this cornerback class. I think there are some really good cornerbacks. There's going to be some cornerbacks that are available to the Steelers in, you know, rounds three, three through five. There's going to be some good cornerbacks that hopefully fingers crossed might still be available. Some of them would have to be an earlier pick. And if they decide to expend, not, not necessarily a first round, I'm not saying this is a, a pick 24, but maybe pick 55, one of these players could be their guy. So looking at the following players, here's kind of like the class that I put together. So you have like Sertain from Alabama. You have J.C. Horn from South Carolina, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, Greg Newsom the second from Northwestern. In my opinion, those four players, I don't think that they're going to be maybe Farley because of his uh, injury history, has some back issues. Maybe him, maybe he'll be there. Uh, at 24, but even then, not so sure. So then that brings us to, in my opinion, the second tier, and sometimes the second and third tier of cornerbacks in the upcoming class. And there's some that I didn't cover and I didn't break down. My apologies. Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State definitely comes to mind. Very talented player. Um, you have uh, Eric Stokes and Tyson Campbell, both from Georgia. Stokes is considered the higher, the better prospect compared to Campbell. Uh, you have Kelvin Joseph from Kentucky, who um, Steelers fan 11 uh, on the website 
wanted me to do a breakdown on him. I did. Could be a really good day two, day three, probably. Day three prospect that could be really, really good. Elijah Molden from Washington could be a day two pick. He would be, if you're looking to just replace Hilton, he's your guy. He is your guy. If you want just someone that's going to play the nickel, can play the slot, can play the dimebacker role, that's your guy. You want Elijah Molden from Washington. But if you want someone that's more of an outside well, then that's different. So let's go over these players. So again, the Sertains, the Horns, the Newsoms, I'm not really going to talk about them. I don't think they're going to be available to Pittsburgh at 24. Nor do I think the Steelers are going to take a cornerback at 24. So let's look at some of these other players. Asante Samuel Jr. is the son of Asante Samuel, the former cornerback. And it's funny because J.C. Horn is the son of Joe Horn, former Saints wide receiver. He was the one that famously scored a touchdown, picked up the uh, field goal post pad, got out a flip phone and acted like he just received a phone call. That's Joe Horn, and this is his son, J.C. Horn, who is a really, really good cornerback. If he were available at 24, the Steelers should take him. That's I, I'm saying that right now. If he's available at 24, they should take him because he could start opposite Hayden on day one. Uh, that, I believe that. But Asante Samuel is the son of Asante Samuel, who played for the New England Patriots for seems like decades. And he's a tremendous cornerback as well. He's not as big as Horn. Uh, some people say that his size is an issue. He's just around six feet tall, maybe a little bit under. That might be generous. Uh, really good outside. Not a great, not really known for his zone skill set, more of a man. I know that the Steelers fan base has been clamoring for the Steelers to play more man-to-man defense. They just don't seem to do it. They are still a very much a zone defense. The Tampa, the Tampa two, that is what Mike Tomlin was schooled in when he came into the league with Tampa Bay and he was with uh, Tony Dungy. That's what they did. And so he continues to preach that with his defensive backs. I talked about Elijah Molden being a player that could come in and be that Mike Hilton type. I think early, maybe not day one, but early he could. And I don't think Molden's a first round pick. He could possibly be there. Um, he would, I think for sure he'd be there at 55 unless there's a team that just really, really loves his skill set for their scheme. But I do think that Molden could be a day three, or I'm sorry, a day two round three pick if this if he's still available. Uh, Kelvin Joseph of Kentucky is very similar to Tyson Campbell in my opinion. Tyson Campbell has burner speed. I mean, is lightning fast. Kelvin Joseph also is very athletic, doesn't have a ton of experience, uh, but he is a very very good cornerback. Both of those players, I think, would be a little bit more on the project side. The one thing, because if you think about a Joseph and a Campbell. And Stokes is really good. Eric Stokes is good. I think he'll, I don't see him fitting with when the Steelers pick unless they make a trade. But going back to Joseph and Campbell, they, and I think about them, the comparison to me is to Justin Lane. And it's what makes them, what separates them from Lane. I feel like they're more athletic than Lane. Justin Lane still, I think he could be a serviceable player. If he could find a way to play like the dime backer role, make himself more versatile. But the last the last thing I remember about him is that he just seems like just someone that's just naturally just an outside cornerback. And that's fine. If you're really good, I just don't think he's that good, but maybe I'm wrong because Justin Lane has not had the service of his rookie year. He got a, he had a preseason last season. He had no preseason. And so we didn't get to see him hardly at all. And it's not just him. It's all the young players out there. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm looking forward to this preseason because there's so many players Justin Lane, um, even someone like Ulysses Gilbert III, if he can stay healthy, I just want to see what he can do. Antoine Brooks, Anthony McFarlane, get him some carries against some some other uh, you know 
some significant carries is what I'm trying to say. So those players could be, you know, day three picks for the Steelers. And I think that they could be good players if they can develop them. Now, here's where another narrative comes in. Oh, the Steelers can't pick cornerbacks. I know, I know, we know this. But I think with Terrell Austin there, it's a little different. Jeffrey Benedict wrote a really good article about how when the Steelers pick cornerbacks, picking the right cornerback and not just the best is really something that they need to hone in on. And what he's saying is that, you know, you, you, Asante Samuel Jr. is a good example of a cornerback that if you're going to be deploying primarily zone concepts, don't take a kid that is known for just man-to-man defense. That, that's It seems like it's obvious, yet they've struggled with it. So this cornerback class is really good, really good class. And when you look at the top tier of Sertain, Horn, uh, and Newsom, I mean, that's, those are three good cornerbacks that could go in the first round. And... I think the Steelers are going to have to grab one of these guys. They're going to have to get a cornerback. I hope it's the right one. If I were to say if they get Elijah Molden, I would be ecstatic because I think he's a playmaker and can fill in for Mike Hilton. If they get someone like Asante Samuel Jr., if they get even a Kelvin Joseph or Tyson Campbell, I'd be okay with that too. I'd be okay with that too. They need to add to the cupboard after Steven Nelson left. All right, let's finish up this show with a little heart-to-heart. As I said at the beginning of the second segment, this is the last time uh, we're going to talk on a Friday, I'm going to be back next Monday and Wednesday, but uh, this is the last time we're going to talk on a Friday before the NFL draft. Uh, let me, and this is the last heart to heart that I'm going to have before the NFL draft happens. So, the one thing I want to make everyone aware of, and something that should be obvious, yet some people really struggle with it try not to jump to conclusions at any point during the draft. Okay, just let things play out. There are moments where you are justified in sitting there and saying, what just happened? Artie Burns is the perfect example. I remember driving home. I was coaching. I coached lacrosse for well over a decade, almost 15 years in the state of Maryland. I was a head varsity coach, and I was driving home the day of the draft, the night of the draft. I had a game on Thursday. So I'm driving home. I could tell you exactly where I was turning. I was almost home by the time the Steelers picked. And I'm listening to it on my XM radio. And they say, and the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the clock. And I'm driving. I'm like, okay. The Bengals just took William Jackson the third. That's who everyone wanted. That's who I wanted. Who are they going to do? Which way are they going to go now? And they say, the Steelers select. Artie Burns, cornerback, Miami. And I think we all let out a, what? Who? Are you serious? That's something where we all felt the same thing. But then there's picks. Brian Anthony Davis talked about this on the Steelers preview last week where uh, when the Steelers selected Ryan Chazier in the first round, he was not happy with that pick. He did not like it. Sometimes you got to let things play out. Dave Schofield hates Deontay Johnson to this day. No, I'm just joking. He doesn't hate Deontay Johnson. He didn't like the pick, though. He didn't like the pick when they took it. He thought he was going to be available for their next pick. Deontay Johnson still he's a, he's a talented player. Sure, he has his warts, his drops, obviously. But keep in mind that when you talk about like grades, like I, I ran this article uh, a couple days ago, and the SB Nation fan reacts is a poll that goes out to all fans of all teams, and so they asked Steeler fans, "How would you grade almost a year later the 2020 draft class?" Well, now. You know, the Steelers have had a whole season under their belt. And so these rookies have had a season under their belt. 
It's a little bit more conducive to a grade than those knee-jerk reaction grades. And we all do. I get it because they do good numbers. That's why we do it. But when you're looking at, okay, a year later, you look at six picks, three starters coming out of there. They all made the team. They all contributed. Shoot, people gave them a B. <laughs> people gave the draft class a B. They didn't have a first-round pick. They didn't have a first-round pick. Some people were saying, oh, well, throw Minka in there as your first-round pick. I'm not going to do that. The Miami Dolphins drafted Minka Fitzpatrick out of Alabama. It was not the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not going to do that, but they didn't have a first-round pick. That's an A. Look, just let it play out. Let it play out, okay? And I would even say for the 2020 class, let it play out. If Anthony McFarland turns into a really good change of pace back under Matt Canada, and he can really be a lightning bolt out of the backfield, you're going to look at this draft pick from that draft class completely different. So that's my heart-to-heart. Take things as they come. Don't run and jump to conclusions let it play out. Just let it ride, all right? Like, let's ride. My ride or die crew, thank you all for spending some time with me on this Friday. I hope you all have a great day. I hope you have a great weekend. Rest up. Next week, it's going to get crazy. Next week is going to get crazy with the NFL draft right on the horizon. Make sure BehindTheSteelCurtain.com is your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. And wherever you get your podcast, make sure you search Steelers or behind the steel curtain so that you don't miss a thing. Subscribe, follow. If you listen to us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and a good comment because it helps with exposure. That's the fact. All right, that's it. I'm Jeff Hartman, co-editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. As we always finish it out, folks, be safe, be kind, and God bless. Have a great weekend. I'll see you back here on Monday to talk all things Steelers. Have a good one. We'll see you. Go Steelers.